The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He is John Sheeran, and we are here to answer your burning Bengals questions. We've got a lot of different ways you can get in touch with us. We've already got a number of them queued up. John, I know you've got some tweets your way. I know the uh, show Twitter account has some already queued up. We've got some texts. So you can get those to us a number of different ways. You can shoot us a text, 949-542-6241. Email theobinsider at gmail.com. You can get it on the live chats, YouTube, Facebook, Cincy Jungle comment section, any of those. Or you can tweet at us at John double underscore Sheeran, uh, at Bengals OBI, at Cincy Jungle, at uh, CJ Anthony CY, any of those on Twitter. We'll keep an eye on a lot of different. We, we, we've got the peripher, peripherals on here. We're going to keep our eyes out. And, of course, the YouTube Super Chats get priority. And we've already got one coming our way. Thank you very much from the always generous Mr. Whisper. Um, we'll get to that in just a second, but happy to be with you. John, aside from me starting off with the, the show on Grand Old Mute, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. It's it's September. It's It doesn't feel like fall yet, at least not in Cincinnati. It's still like 80 outside, but it, it's exciting, man. It's, it, it's the month of football. So I just muted myself right there, and I, <laughs> I, I successfully unmuted. You would think after doing this for freaking... I don't, even don't, know don't get in your head. Don't get in your head. Oh, my God. Well, it was just like, God, I started off the show just like that. It's like, good God, what are you doing, dude? Um, anyway, good to see a lot of you. Some familiar faces here. I see uh, our, our buddy Parker. We got to get Parker on the show, by the way, Parker Blake. Um, Twitter, fun Twitter follow there. Go follow him. And, of course, a lot of others. Teen it up. We're going to get to the YouTube Super Chat, I think, first from Mr. Whisper. Thank you so much. Which rookie do you predict? will show us the most progress in their first season. So 
progress is a relative term, my friend. I mean, are we talking going from nothing to a little bit of a contribution, going from a little contribution to a big contribution? What are we talking here? But your first impressions of that from this question from Mr. Whisper. Yeah, I like the way it's phrased because, like you said, the word progress is open to interpretation. I think the first guy that stands out to me when I hear that is Charlie Jones, just because the preseason was not the absolute best for him, especially compared to his fellow rookie receiver in Yosevich. I think, though, that Jones is going to get more opportunities because he's going to be the punt returner. And I think they're going to give him a a shot to contribute as a receiver in some very limited roles. Injury is going to happen, of course. Like Tyler Boyd is really durable, but there could be a situation where Jones is asked to play a little bit in the slot. And I just think, in general, playing with Burrow as your quarterback is a little better than playing with Jake Browning and even Will Greer for that. For (laughs) in that case, I I I think he's going to look better in the limited snaps that he gets during the regular season compared to the preseason when he was dealing with a backward quarterback, when he was dealing with that that uh, injured shoulder that just happened to him about a month ago. I think we're going to see a better version of Charles Jones, albeit not an extended version of him, but I think him and like Jordan Bowles, another good example, a guy who had like an up and down preseason, but he'll start to settle in as, as he gets more comfortable in the defense, I think as well. It's interesting because this question kind of get got turned on its head a little bit with the Joseph Osai injury. Initially, we've seen that Miles Murphy needs time and development uh, from what we saw in the preseason. The athleticism's there. The talent is there. The college tape is there. I mean, you, you see a lot there. But in the preseason and in the training camp, it was a little quiet. Uh, I think he was – wasn't he out for one of the games too? So, I mean, there was yeah. – uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it limited sample size and everything. But now you've got Joseph Osai – who has a high ankle sprain. You said the other day, John, that you feel, you know, everybody's optimistic that, oh, maybe four weeks, maybe he's back week three. Well, I mean, this could linger, like you said, for two months. Um, I mean, we've seen these things just hinder hinder players. And so all of a sudden now, Miles Murphy may need to have a higher profile role than we initially thought on the defensive line. Then, of course, you go, okay, well, Cheeto's back. So DJ Turner, still a really talented guy. He showed a lot of nice, nice things in the preseason, but does he, does he get significantly less snaps now that CB one is back? Um, you know, I we'll, we'll have to see what happens there battle. He's in the mix, but I think he still has some growing pains. I'm with you on Jones. Uh, you know, I, I kind of waver um, a little bit. I, I think Jones is kind of, again, a little more of the obvious choice because of the special teams factor as well. Um, I think Yoshi has an ability to contribute on offense, but I'm going to actually go uh, on. I may go. Hmm. I'm going to say one of the first two picks, uh, either Miles Murphy or, or DJ Turner um, show us the most progress. And I, and I think that's the, the key question here is most progress. And maybe that's Murphy. I mean, now instead of kind of using it as a red shirt year or a developmental year where he gets very limited snaps, maybe early, you know, some heavier snap, rotations earlier in the year are going to benefit him and it's going to pay dividends down the road this year and he'll show the progress yeah and this kind of leads into a question from mark jewett who's asking due to the size injury do you think murphy will make the most of this opportunity and this is this is questionable for me anthony because like you said it's clear that murphy's not there yet and i think that should have been the expectation with him it was really dangerous, I think, when people were labeling him as one of the steals of the draft because he was projected to be a top 20 pick. I think he ended up going where he should have because while he was really young, 
and really athletic coming out of Clemson. There was just a lot of work to do for him. He didn't have the high-end production that you wanted to see from a high first-round pick, which is why he almost fell to the second round. We saw that in the preseason too. The, the wins are promising, you know. Like I think against Washington, he strung together a couple of moves there in that game. It was his first game back, like you said, from injury because he didn't play in Atlanta. But in general, it's it's a lot of disjointed movement. It's not timing, you know, his get off off the snap. It's a lot of desynchronization between his hands and his legs. It's like it's not quite there yet. But you're seeing the flashes. You're seeing the promise of it. It's just when you have this guy, if he's going to play presumably 15 to 20 snaps out of the gate because you don't have your second or third best pass rusher out there, like how badly is he going to get exposed? I think they trust him for the most part just to set the edge just because he's got the size and the strength to do that. But if you're relying on him to you know, get a pressure in a one-on-one situation on third down, I don't think he's quite there yet. So I, I think we're going to see some rough patches from, from Murphy, at least during this period when, Os- when Osai is out. I think they're going to be relying a lot on Camp Sample to kind of kind of pick up the slack from that. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, I, I think the hope would be that, you know, going back to Mr. Whisper's question, I mean, so you, you hope for your top draft picks kind of to be the guys that develop or show the most progress, I, I think, just because of the high level of investment. But um, there are a number of guys that could kind of come in and maybe get off to a slower start or just, you know, maybe start showing some things early and showing even more things later. We'll see. But uh, thank you for the questions, both Mark and Mr. Whisper. Let's go. Since you uh, picked that one from Mark, I'm going to go to our text line. Um, Good friend, Dan from Tennessee. And he, uh, this was an older question, I think. Um, Let's see. Right right now, the the market price for top quarterbacks is 40, 40 to 52 million is the highest is Burrow and Herbert. Um, still playing cat and mouse. So, I mean, obviously Herbert has signed now. Who do you think will go first? Do you think Burrow wants the title of being paid the highest temporarily? Or do you think he knows that keeping the core is more important as they try to stay competitive at the top? So that was from like July before Herbert uh, signed, this was, I guess? No, this was, this was another one. This, uh, this was a little after that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Herbert's uh, APY is 52 million. Burrow's going to get more than that. That was always known, I think, um, if he was going to go after Herbert. And I, it made no sense for Herbert to wait after Burrow because we all kind of know who's deserving of the highest contract right now. Yeah, I players can have influence in these in these negotiations, obviously, but the market is set for what it is. And it's it's a matter of if the team wants to structure it in a different way that benefits them and then the agent and the player are just looking at what the past the most recent deals were and they're basing their negotiations off that and just trying to one-up that and that's just how the negotiations go it's about finding that middle ground between what the team wants and what the player wants the idea anthony of burrow waiting around because he wants to fit all of his guys in there and that's part of the negotiations doesn't make much sense to me because again, Burrow's agent doesn't work for T Higgins or Jamar Chase. Um, it, like the, yeah. he doesn't represent them, right? So it has nothing to do with the negotiations. That the team can handle these things simultaneously. I'm sure, like they have an offer for T. I'm sure of it, and I'm sure they're working with David Mulligan to get that done. But th- these things kind of happen independently, and 
right? It's just it, the, the negotiations that are happening right now is can the Bengals get a win in terms of what they want the structure to be while also uh, compensating Burrow for what he deserves, which is just whatever is more than Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. So we had another follow-up text to that that was uh, a little more a little more recent. I thought that one came through recently. Uh, I, I apologize about that. But 602 area code asks, I will ask the multi-million dollar question again, no pun intended. When do the Bengals get Joe's contract done and why is it already done? We kind of thought you just kind of touched on that. I guess the question I would follow up with that or that part is when do you think it's going to get done? I've seen some people on Twitter, some fans and or people who cover the team that seem to be relatively confident that it's going to get done but before the regular season starts here in about a week and a half. I don't know if you subscribe to that same opinion or not, but we had a question about it. Yeah, like I, th- I think right now it's when 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 do people start to get worried or when is it right to get worried? Um, I think even someone asked that about T. Higgins, like when, when do you start to get nervous that it's not going to be done? I would say that starts around this time next week. Um, they're they're going to return to practice Monday. Uh, the official like preseason ends, I, I guess that that like the official option ends. I think once once the weekend concludes. And I think that's probably when we, we we should expect Burrow to get done. But again, these things can take up all the way up to the very start of the regular season. It could be right before they get onto the plane, which is what happened with AJ Green. I within the next week, Burrow's going to get done. And if it doesn't, then if if we are entering this time next week and he hasn't been signed, then that's the time to worry. And but that's when deadlines can spur action, and that's when it, it honestly could happen. I don't know if it's going to get to that point, but I think. If it again, if neither of them are signed for this time next week, then that's the time to worry. I, I would agree with you. Let's uh, let's move on. What do you got? I've got some other tweets and stuff. Um, let's move on. Though, what what do you have that's piquing your interest? So we had one from Twitter from uh, Derek Davis at Bengal Bites. At he was, yep. Yep. Yeah, he's asking what what do we make of no undrafted free agents making the team? Um, yeah, Anthony, it's a good question because they had. I don't know, like 12 of them signed this year. And some of them made the practice squad. Some of them were kind of pushing for roster spot. But I think it honestly says a lot about the, just the construction of this team, Anthony. Uh, yeah, I, I I think it speaks just directly to the talent, really. I mean, uh, and, and here's the interesting dichotomy is in years past, if this would have happened maybe under Marvin Lewis or when this team was kind of more into hoarding and collecting their draft picks rather than maneuvering around the draft and maybe keeping as many picks as they enter or even less than they enter with. Right. Uh, Then you're kind of saying, well, they're going to, they're going to prioritize the draft picks to make the team. And that's why no or little UDFAs made the, made the regular or the active roster, but that's not the case. These past couple of drafts, the Bengals had moved, have moved around and up for, you know, higher quality talent, sacrificing some of the picks. They're not hoarding the compensatory picks and all that kind of stuff either. So th- there's kind of an odd dichotomy there where it's like, okay, well, they're not bringing in a, a high volume of draft picks and that's why they're prioritizing them. I think this speaks to the overall roster talent. And I think John also, it speaks to them being active in outside free agency and, and filling the spots needed with high talented players and outside free agency. And that's why there's just not a lot of room for some of these guys that we like in the preseason, you know, these preseason heroes, the Dominique Davises and uh, Raymond Johnson's and, and others. There's just not room on this team, 
particularly also when I mentioned two defensive linemen and you used your first first round pick on a defensive lineman. So, um, I mean, I, that's just my take on it. I think it's a combination of just overall roster talent, being more active in outside free agency, and then, you know, just like I said, just overall roster talent. There's just not a lot of room left for some of these guys, even if they are talented UDFAs. Yeah, there was already very little available spots for them to make the team. But it also goes back to what we kind of talked about right after the draft. This team, I think, spent the least amount of guaranteed money on the undrafted free agency class. And that's all it like it, it is free agency at the end of the day. And these guys yeah. have have their choice of where they want to go. And the Bengals just for whatever reason, maybe it was by design. They just didn't put that much effort into giving these guys like competitive deals. So that's why just the quality of the undrafted free agency class this year was pretty low. Aside from guys like, you know, Shedrick Jackson, Jackson Kirkland, who were both on the practice squad. And we might see those guys contributing in the later years, which, to your point, Dominique Davis and Raymond Johnson, they were previously undrafted guys, but they're, they're, not, they're not rookies, right? If They've both been developed by the Bengals over the course of the past year or two. I think Davis has been here for two years and Johnson's right. been here for one. So there's been work that's been done with, with guys of that caliber, but just with the rookies this year, it wasn't that strong of a class for them. And like you said, there just yeah. wasn't very many openings. Uh, email from Doug. What are the plans for the last practice squad spot? Is it for an offensive lineman when Collins, Leo Collins, comes off of the pup list? Is it for someone who comes off of the IR or are the Bengals targeting a player who has been cut by another team? I think the plan was to wait and see if Raymond Johnson wanted to come back. But again, because he was waived and he went unclaimed, on waivers he was essentially able to sign with whatever team wanted him and i would imagine he would have gotten an offer from the Bengals to get back in the practice squad but he chose the lions whether whatever the reason may be we don't know perhaps the fact that he dominated the preseason and then got cut he might he might have been feeling a certain way about the Bengals, and maybe he feels like he can contribute quicker with the Lions. Because again, like if I balled out in the preseason, I, w- I would want to play you know as soon as possible. I wouldn't want to just stay on the practice squad because that's where he was all of last year, and we didn't really talk about it that much. But he was pretty good in last year's preseason. We just don't really remember that. So he was building off of what he did last year, and he fe- probably felt like he just wasn't really getting anywhere. So he's just going to try his luck someplace else. But it's not the worst thing in the world to have an open practice squad you, you have injuries that happen you, you, you always had that vacancy to account for that so i think right now it's just to stand pad and see what happens yeah i'm, I'm in agreement with you i think they're just kind of utilizing potential flexibility there i mean maybe it is for collins maybe it is for someone that's floating out there maybe they're waiting for another you know player to to kind of fall into their lap so to speak and see what happens there um, I think they would, they've got, is it, is it 15 of the 16 uh, mm-hmm. accounted for? Is that right? Yeah. So uh, they did officially, I mean, at Will Greer now official um, that was kind of semi-official on the bangles.com website the other night. And then uh, Demetric Felton official that he is on the practice squad, really fun player there. I'm interested to see what, um, you know, what, if any impact he'll have on the team, either on the active roster or years ahead or what have you. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be kept around, but a guy I, I really liked him in Cleveland from, you know, the, the rotational touches he received there. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. 
Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. So uh, we're getting a lot of texts, John, and, and everything, but I want you to, to have your turn, my friend, because I just did the email from Doug. Yeah, we, we had a question from W. Lewis, 19,760. He was asking, I wish they would, no, I guess he's not even asking, I wish they would use DJ Turner on special teams to utilize his speed. Has he ever returned kickoffs? Not to my knowledge, has he returned? I think there was a brief portion in training camp early on when he was taking, when he was fielding punts, Rats. I want to say. Yeah. 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 Um, and like that happens sometimes with just for the sake of just giving guys breaks. But yeah, I don't imagine them utilizing him as a kickoff returner. Um, again, it, more than just speed matters in terms of just being effective there. Speed definitely helps, but if you can't pick the right hole, if you don't have the vision as a ball carrier, it, you know, sometimes just run into blocks. It was interesting though, because he, I think had 10 reps in the first preseason game, just in special teams in general, as like a gunner and on kickoff coverage, it dropped down to three against the Falcons. And I don't know if that's because he got injured because his injury kind of was around that time. I don't know if it actually happened during the game, but his special teams usage dropped off in that game. And obviously he didn't play against Washington, but if he, if he is active on game days, I would imagine him being like a gunner and, and on kickoff teams as well. John, the great, great website, sports reference or pro football reference. Um, such a great resource for, for us, but uh, it, it appears that DJ Turner had one return apiece, one in 21 and one in 22. Look at uh, that. The, the, the one last year was for three yards, but the one that he had as a uh, as a junior or redshirt junior, I guess, um, was one for 25 yards. Wow. So, yeah, he did have a little bit of a. A little bit of a uh, jolt there on that one. So that's uh, two returns for 28 yards, a 14-yard average, Will Lewis. That is that is some homework. Well, brief homework being done for you. Ah, sample size is small. The speed it definitely intrigues you. And again, you know, we'll have to see what he does. But man, he's he looked pretty dang good this uh, this this preseason. I, I'm really interested to see what his outlook is going forward. So uh, good question there. I think I think this was yeah. Will he he texted that same one to us as well. So good job on that one. And okay, this might be from Dave. Uh, a text here from the four hundred three. Why hasn't there been anything done yet with the with Reader contract wise? He's still a beast. We could easily use him another two years. Again, now when you look at this roster, John. What is it? The oldest guy on the roster is Teddy K, who's what 29, 30 years old now, I think. And most everybody else is either in their early 20s or mid 20s. And that's about it. I think Hilton's maybe up there a little bit. But um, I, Reader continues to be really I, I know there's this kind of hard line stance, it seems, with this staff that's like we can't keep guys, you know, after 30 or well into their 30s or that sort of thing. Um, uh, obviously there are exceptions to the rule here and maybe he is that exception, but there have been, you know, there have been, he had an injury issue last year that kept him out a little bit, but nobody can dispute what he does, especially in the run game on, on defense. I mean, he is a monster. He, he is. And the fact that they were able to sign him at 13 and a quarter million a year, a few years ago, 
it's turned into an absolute bargain. I, I've been on record saying that the fact that he is approaching 30, I think he's going to be 30 next year, and the fact that he's had multiple major injuries at the Bengals, it kind of leans me to believe that they're not going to be that interested in bringing him back, aside from maybe a one-year deal. And if, if, if they had signed him to a one-year extension this month, I wouldn't have been surprised, but I think that was the only way that it was possible. And you have to look at it from DJ Reader's perspective. If he is still very much in his prime, which I think we can all agree that's the case, at least for the next couple of years, and he's seen that he's making $10 million less than every other nose tackle who's probably underneath him in some areas, I would imagine he he would want to test the market, you know, especially if this season goes really well, say that they win a Super Bowl, one last chance to really cash out. Dexter Lawrence is making twenty two and a half million a year, like uh, Javon Hargraves, 21, uh, Deron Payne, 22 and a half. And again, like DJ Reader's a little bit older than those guys. But if he has the chance, that's the caveat. Yeah, like I I don't think the Bengals expected this dramatic jump in the market at, at that position. I think that's one of the reasons why just we haven't seen it any discourse about any like multi-year extensions like maybe again maybe a one year to, to if they were able to afford that but i i, I think reader would want to would it would be best for him to just wait yeah readers 29 dexter lawrence is 25 um that doesn't mean that there's another team you know that unfortunately if he does let's say he gets a ring this year which would be amazing from so many perspectives but let's say he gets a ring this year um might he then like you said, test the waters, and maybe there is a team that is as is not as strong or is in a rebuild mode, but has a lot of space, a lot of money, and they're willing to overpay. And so, since he's won a ring potentially, right? Let's just say the scenario plays out where he does win a ring, and then he goes and, and a team that maybe had four or five wins the, the year before comes after him and comes with this lucrative contract. And Cincinnati's unwilling to match because of his age. That could be something where he says, "Well, I'd really like to stay in Cincinnati and continue to have team success and still get paid pretty well." But this contract is really hard to say no to. Type of thing. Uh, I hope that makes sense. That scenario that I played out there, but that could be yeah. a situation that I can see potentially happening. We see that all the time. We saw it with the Bengals this last season too. When a team goes far, when they go to the Super Bowl, when they win the Super Bowl, when they are deep in the playoffs, the following year, guys get least in free agency from from teams uh that are, have were not successful the year prior and are trying to inject some excitement into their fan base and uh, trying to better their roster really so they they go after these guys who were on teams who were very successful the year prior in free agency we've seen it happen time and time again um it doesn't always work out where you know they change potentially a scheme or a just scenery and it never it doesn't really ever work out as well well some sometimes it doesn't um, so I don't know, but that's a scenario I could see taking place potentially where reader can say, well, Hey, I had my success here. I got paid well here, but now, even though I'm older, uh, you know, they're offering me this, whereas the Bengals are offering me that. Yeah. We, we just saw it, uh, P Ryan and Hayden Hurst went to two yep. not so very good teams and they got paid accordingly. And the Bengals were never really in the market for either of those two at that price. So that's, that's just kind of what happens. Um, but obviously reader is a special case and I know he's a fan favorite for a lot of people. I did want to address a question from Kevin Cooch or Kutch and Facebook. He was asking, will the Bengals ever pursue a foolproof weapon at tight end in the draft? Yeah, that was an early agency? one, right? Yeah. And I, I, this is, this is interesting, Anthony, because the past two years they haven't drafted the tight end, but, by no means were they uninterested in drafting a tight end in the past two years. I, I think ha- had 
um, you know, the draft had fallen a different way, we probably would have seen a, a tight end being drafted in, in the first three rounds in, in, in the past year. It just it didn't end up going that way. It ended up being six draft picks on defense. I, I, I don't think they don't value the position. I think, though, that when it's when the strategy that they have is continuing to work and they're getting pretty solid production for just pennies on the dollar, you might as well just keep riding that wave until you know you, you, it, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore, right? Obviously, after this year, they're going to have a decision on what to do regarding the future. Like Irv Smith is still pretty young, and if he balls out in this offense, there's a good chance he's going to get a pretty big contract from someplace else. But again, if you're the Bengals, if you keep finding these guys who are undervalued from other teams and they keep producing within their role within the offense, because again, like they'll there probably won't ever be a situation where a tight end is like the featured weapon on this team. And you're not paying like 16, 17 million dollars a year. Like the Vikings are with TJ Hawkinson to feature in this offense when you have just great receivers on the boundary, but if the offensive also to a point where it gets to that and you have a chance to, you know, acquire a, a great tight end talent. Yeah, maybe we'll see that. But again, like I, I don't think the Bengals devalue the tight end position, but they're just kind of found a market inefficiency with it. And because of the way their offense is structured, it definitely works out for them. That's a really good way to put it. Um, I so I, I think they, I think they feel as this roster is currently comprised that they can get what they need out of these kind of one year one year rental deals, and what they get out of it is kind of what they get out of it. And if it's above expectations, then that's fine because this the way this the way this team is currently comprised, your tight end at best is your fourth best, fourth highest volume, fourth highest targeted position on offense in, in, in pass attempts, probably fifth. I mean, there obviously you design plays that are, that's the guy who's getting the ball or that's your, your primary target, of course. But I mean, you're centering the offense around your great wide receivers and your quarterback. I mean, that's just, that's how this offense is designed. Now, I think Irv Smith has a really good opportunity, particularly because he didn't bring in a ton of competition for him to eat into tight end target shares, right? Um, I, I think he's got a good opportunity and a, a good opportunity for a bounce back here. I actually think, and this is just my own weird little theory, um, I think they they probably had he fallen a little later last year in the draft. I think the Bengals liked Isaiah Likely the tight end out of Coastal Carolina that the Ravens drafted in the fourth round. They had him in for a pre-draft visit, um, and, and they were talking with him in, beforehand. I think that might have been a guy, you know, had he fallen further on day three, that they might have taken a look at that. That's just my own little theory just because of, I was trying to, you know, read the, the pre-draft signals there with the interest they had. Um, but I just – I think that might have been a guy that they, they liked. I think there was probably some guys this – this year that they liked, I, I think that, um, you know, it, the, uh, the kid, the kid from Utah who went to Buffalo, who I really liked, I can't remember his name for some reason right now, the tight end, um, Kincaid, Kincaid. Thank you. Dalton. I knew his Dalton was the name Dalton Kincaid. Um, I think that was a guy also that, you know, Zach kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, we liked a couple of guys in this draft and I, it kind of sounded like Kincaid was a guy they were really intrigued with as an offensive weapon, but I don't know if, if they would have gone there in the first round either. Maybe that was more of a second round target for them. It just depends on the value, but those are some of the guys that uh, I think they, they might've liked that maybe just to them value wise and where they were sitting, where they were picking and where those guys were available just didn't really uh, make a ton of they sense. They were really high. Here. Sorry. They're, they're really high on Sam Laporta too. And if Miles yeah. Murphy wasn't yeah. there, he was one of the favorites to be that pick by the way. 
that's a that's another great point. Yeah, um, we're gonna be here for just a couple more minutes, taking your questions. You can get them to us. We've had a lot of texts, uh, a couple of emails, and some tweets, and all that kind of stuff. We're gonna try and get to as many as we can. The YouTube super chats take precedence if you are so inclined, but you can leave one to us on YouTube. Uh, the, in the comment section there on Facebook. If you're joining us on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page on Twitter, you can text us 949-542-6241. Email us theobinsider at gmail.com. We'll be here for a little bit. want to also remind folks that if you are new here, welcome. You can subscribe. There's a subscribe show, show icon underneath John there by the Cincy Jungle icon at the bottom there. Click that to subscribe. Click the bell to be notified when we go live and when new content is available. Uh, and then, of course, you want to get your, uh, if you like the video side, we post and live stream to the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We often do to the Cincy Jungle Twitter account, but we're really, uh, we're, we're, we're focusing in on the, the YouTube channel for a lot of video stuff, not only the live stuff. And then, of course, if you like the audio side, you can get this show and the other Cincy Jungle podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We are there. I, before we get to a question, I, you know, I, I guess I should save this maybe for the end, but I, I, I don't know. I, it's always nice to to receive a little little message like this from Rob in the five one three. Just wanted to thank you both for the show. The entertaining and knowledgeable distraction from life's daily routine is much appreciated. Rob, you are much appreciated. We see you all the time in our in our live chats, my friend. Appreciate you and your uh, your your high praise there really appreciate that um this is one from 859 and this is a this is a really that's a pretty good one are all of these high expectations making anyone else nervous the days of the Bengals sneaking up on anyone are over they are going to get everyone's best shot i understand the sentiment but i also think there's a little bit of that sentiment of living in old Bengals times waiting for that other shoe to drop. And I think the cast of characters is different. Personally speaking, I want to get your take on this too, John. Here's the other thing. I think if there was going to be a slip up or if there was going to be a backsliding, a major oh, disappointing year, that sort of thing, I feel it would have been last year. And it almost started out that way. When you had the 0-2 start, then you had Chase hurt. You had DJ Reader hurt. Yeah, it, They were 500-ish. Right, um, in the middle of the season, and then they, they went were and rattled off. Yeah, they, so they they went and rattled off all those wins, and then all the way to the AFC Championship game. So uh, this cast of characters, this quarterback, their head coach, all of the talent they've amassed everywhere, they have a, a you see it even in game to game. Aside from a ten game winning streak last year. They are never truly, even when the when the score is just like, what the hell is happening here? They find a way to cut. Go look at the Tampa Bay game last year. Go look. Go look at the what was it? The New Orleans game where they kind of fought back in that one. Go look at some of these games, and you're going, man, how did they come back and really kind of almost dominate some of these games after they were down? The San Francisco game at 21. They just are never. They 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 don't quit. And I think that this year they're even hungrier than last because of how last year ended it's it's very cliche uh, um goes back it, it goes back even to late 2019 when there was the conversation about you know should the team actually move on from Andy dalton or continue to build around him the quarterback makes so much more of a difference just beyond just how well he throws the football like 
yes, you can build a quality team around a decent quarterback, but if no one actually believes in that quarterback, then it just changes the whole mindset of the team. And this is why Joe Burrow is so highly regarded by everyone around the league. People know that he's the mindset that he has and the mentality that he brings, it's contagious and it just makes everyone else better and just makes everyone else believe in themselves a little bit more and just gets yeah. the most out of it. like it, it, it that stuff it, you can't quantify it and i and i don't like talking about that much because of that fact but it does end up having some type of difference if like the Bengals are the biggest example of how much of a difference that it could make you don't make this quick amount of a turnaround unless you have that transition from one quarterback to the next and this is with all due respect to Andy Dalton but when you have Joe Burrow out there like the, the 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 outside noise, the expectations, like it, it's it's all moot. Like these guys are just so locked in; they're as locked in as you could possibly want them to be. And I don't think that the expectations bothered them. And if it, if it doesn't bother the players, then I mean, it, it's just, it's just the fans kind of living in the past, like you said. Yeah, uh, I, I want you to to pick one as well, John. Here, but we got maybe time for a couple more. We wanted to get to this since it was a super chat. Dustin, we did talk about the Joe Burrow contract here, but he did, John mentioned that, uh, you know, starting to hear murmurs, at what point does it get loud? Do Bengals have to provide transparency, anything like that? I mean, Bengals don't have to provide any transparency um, <laughs> really until until ink is to paper and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Any additional thoughts? I know we covered that just a little bit ago about the the – the borough contract situation what i mean like we said it, it'll it'll get loud if it doesn't happen by this time next week and i at that point i still don't really think that the team is going to say anything i think whenever you have transparency <laughs> involved from the team and the agent it just makes things worse just look at what's happening with chris ballard and jonathan taylor the Bengals want no part of that, so I don't think it's going to come to that from their side. But it'll it'll get loud from you know pundits and everything if it doesn't happen by this time next week, probably. Yeah, uh, where are we going next? Got time for maybe a couple more, two, two, three more, maybe depending. Um, so oh, I wanted to get to this question from from Twitter. Um, I might not be qualified to answer this, Anthony. You you might have to take this. Uh, which Bengals player should you target? and avoid in fantasy football drafts this year compared to their ADP. I don't play fantasy. I don't know if you had to draft or anything. So I don't really know where Bengals players are going. So I'll let you take that one. I had I had one, but I actually couldn't. It turns out I couldn't make the time. I had a, a family engagement. So I had to auto draft it. Um, it was through our uh, – it was through the, the, the Bengals and Brews um, leagues that they set up to benefit um, the Cincy Hat Project from Teddy K. I'm trying. I'm looking here again, real quick. I don't think I had. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have any Bengals that were drafted on my team. I, I'm gonna say this though, um, and I think it was uh, Bengal Sons that maybe said it on Twitter, and I was like, dude, I was literally telling somebody this the other day. I I think that Joe Mixon is is poised for a really kind of more like a, a 2021 type of statistical year. Um, I think. P. Ryan cut into a lot of carries last year, and then, of course, he was uh, – or touches, rather. And, and yes, of course, Mixon was hurt for a little while as well. But um, I, I think distractions are gone. Um, you know, I, I think he's got – even though it didn't maybe fall the way he wanted to, the contract situation is settled. And I think statistically, um, you know, because there's maybe a little bit of murkiness behind him on the depth chart and, you know, who's going to be able to, to step up and do – 
most, if not all of the things P Ryan did, I think he's going to be a, a, a really good value pick. So I think that he's, you know, if you can get him, some people are saying they're getting him in, you know, round four, round five or whatever. Um, I think that's really low. If you can get him a little bit later uh, because I, he'll give you the, the, the pass volume type of uh, the receiving volume type of numbers. So that's a guy. And then, um, yeah, Will says the, the offensive line's better for Mixon too. Yeah. You got to hope that that all plays into that as well. So that's a guy that um, I, I, you know, I know it's maybe a little bit of an obvious answer because he is their starting running back, but I think, I think you could get good value for him for the production you're going to get fantasy wise. And then I think we mentioned his name early. I mean, if you, if you need an extra flex player, an extra tight end or something like that, get Irv Smith, get him late. Um, I, I think, I think if he can get you, you know, a, a handful of, you know, a few hundred yards and a, you know, maybe let's just say four or five touchdowns. Um, if not, maybe more. You get you get a guy like that late, and you get a kind of an emergency flex player, or you know, a guy you got to play for a few weeks if your main tight end's hurt or something like that. I think I think he could provide some value. It'd be really cool if Irv Smith popped off this year. I, there were a lot it of would. expectations for Hayden Hurst, and I just I, I I still think that Irv is just like his athleticism is going to be welcomed greatly in this offense, and I, I, like I'm I, I'm not expecting like a high output of production, but I think he's going to have some really good moments that I don't think we're, we'll have seen from a Bengals tight end since maybe like the prime days of Tyler Eifert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you pick that last one? I think you did. I did. Uh, yeah. So let's maybe do like a couple more. I got to get to this guy. We mentioned him at the, uh, at the beginning of the show, really good um, follow on Twitter for, for film and, and breakdowns and stuff. We should get him on to talk about some stuff in the near future. Um, kind of a two-parter from Parker uh, Parker Blake, biggest matchup in week one that concerns you. And on the flip side, what are you excited to see? Um, <laughs> if you want to want answer one or both, John, I'm I'm all ears, my friend. Hmm. I The Browns have... Uh, I've talked to some Browns people um, in recent weeks. Like They're pretty confident in the defensive line considering how terrible it was last year. I think Dalvin Tomlinson is a much-needed upgrade in the interior. I think him against Cordell Volson is going to be a really big test for Volson. There's obviously a lot of optimism about a second-year jump from him, but, I mean, Orlando Brown against Miles Garrett, I think Garrett's going to get him a couple of times just because he's Miles Garrett. So, like, that's kind of something that I'm living with if I'm the Bengals. If Volson can't hold his own against Tomlinson, like, that that could be an issue just for the, the whole flow of... How, how the run game is going to go and everything so that's that's in the matchup that I'm, I'm probably going to start a little bit just because it wasn't that hard to run against the browns last year but i think they're going to be more down that area this year uh matchups that concern you um you know i i am interested to kind of see how the the cleveland wide receivers and the the Bengals corners um fare this week you know i i, I think that I I know Cheeto's really good. I know CTB is looking like he's going to be the next great corner for the Bengals as well. But we are talking about a second year player who has limited starts and limited time last year. And we are talking about a guy coming off of, you know, a, a, a knee injury and he's just kind of returning. So um, I, I do worry about that a little bit, even though on paper, when you look at it, you're like, well, that's a pretty good matchup for the Bengals. Um, I mean, Amari Cooper can do some things. They've got uh, Elijah Moore now uh, as a weapon. So, I mean, some of that stuff kind of concerns me 
um, a little bit with with that. And then, of course, concerning as well. And this is kind of a storyline. I think Denzel Ward has a, has a concussion, a pretty severe concussion, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So we don't know what's going to happen for him week one. But Denzel Ward has been a nightmare for the Bengals um, when, when they've played him. And you, you can go back to, I think it was the game in 21 where he had that like 99-yard pick return for, for a touchdown. I mean, just a nightmare of a player for him. So that's a guy that that always kind of provides a little bit of concern for me. Obviously, some of the offensive line questions and stuff. Um, but I I am curious to say, <laughs> we've mentioned him now like three times, uh, you know, does does Herb Smith find a way to kind of, you know, if, if the corners are playing well, if the pressure's getting to the Bengals a little bit more than you would like this week or next week, rather, would Herb Smith be a guy that's just, hey, let's get the ball out quick. Let's 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 start moving the sticks a little bit to, to get some breathing room, open things up. And might he be kind of a nice safety net for Burrow in this game early um, as as you know, they're going to bracket chase. They're going to bracket those guys. Maybe he's the guy that's left open for a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I, I've, I've said it since the schedule was announced, but I think Cleveland is kind of an ideal week one opponent, not because it's easy, but because week one is always wacky and the Bengals have yep. trouble against the Browns. And just I think just it being week one removes a lot of that because it's just it, it's a total variable of how these teams are going to look. And it's going to be like I'm, we're still nine days away, but I'm just I'm saying right now it's going to be kind of ugly. It's going to be some weird stuff is going to happen. I have no idea what the Browns' offense is going to look like. I don't know if Watson is going to look like his old self. I know they're going to be passing the ball more. The offense has changed and evolved a little bit. But, yeah, we're going to see some weird things just because it's week one. We are going to, yeah. Week one is always always an odd one. Uh, we had, let's maybe do one more tweet uh, from Donnie Venable. Uh, I must confess, I'm a, I know very little about Demetric Felton, but I'm not sure what he actually brings to the team. What role do you see him playing this year? Well, I, I mean, I see him on the practice squad as his role for right now, obviously. But uh, you know, it would be, hey, you know, if there's ineffectiveness and injury at the at the running back position, maybe he gets the call up. John, the thing that I see really, I mean, when you look at his his NFL stats, there's not a ton there. But it's really, I mean, he only has eight carries for for twenty yards. But it's it's the it's the receiving ability, it's the versatility, and different things you could do with him in twenty twenty one. He had eighteen catches for one hundred eighty one yards and two touchdowns and ten first downs on eighteen catches. So, I mean, he can he could potentially bring you a spark if if you know, let's just say for instance, uh, something isn't going right with with Chris Chris Evans. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um... He's he's on the practice squad. <laughs> I don't like he's he's right. he's RB five right now. Um, Chase Brown's getting an opportunity before him. Um, some really bad things have to happen for Dimitri Felton to make an impact this year. Yeah, I would I would agree. Anything else you want to get to before we pop on out of here, my friendo? Uh, no, I think I think we covered it all. Um, wow, forty five minutes has gone by pretty quick. Yeah, we, we blasted through this. We tried to get to as many as possible. We may have left a couple on the table. I apologize. Maybe we'll bring them back for uh, next week if we end up doing this next Friday as well. But we're going to be bringing you all kinds of different content on this show and on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, whether it is these listener questions live shows, the headlines, headline review shows, the main show that, uh, that John and I do in the middle of the week. We're doing some other fun stuff that's more of kind of narrative videos and all that kind of stuff, whether it's biggest Bengals villains or best Bengals battles. A lot of alliteration there. Uh, we, we are bringing, we're bringing you all kinds of different stuff and hopefully you are liking it not only on the audio side, but the video side. Appreciate all of you tuning in live. Appreciate all of the questions. 
the super chats, everything. We really, really appreciate it. And I can, I can feel we're starting to get, um, you know, the, the groundswell of more viewers and all that kind of stuff. So I think everybody's getting excited for the regular season to kick off, John. 100% man. It's just, it's just got to get here. Um, the contracts have to be signed and we just got to be talking about previewing this game, which can't wait to do next week. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of that next week. Take care, everybody. John, happy Labor Day weekend, my friend. Yep. Stay safe, guys.